Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast, where we stare fixedly at Blizzard games, never allowing them a moment's peace. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew Rossi, and with me this week are two just fantastic, literally cosmic ray-exposed gain superpowers on the spaceflight fantastic co-hosts. Uh, first up, I think she's probably got the power of like hitting you with words until you pass out, Anne Stickney. Anne, how you been? That would be an unfortunate superpower, considering I write for a living. Well, like you could control it. I'm not assuming that you just rant. You have to do it. I'm just saying, if someone came in, like you know, <laughs> now, Wordsmith, I will destroy you. You like hit him with words. Wordsmith. Yeah, that's a yeah. good superhero name. Yeah, I, I should totally write the Blizzard Watch comic, but that's not you important should. right now. <laughs> so, anything going on? Anything interesting? Um, not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, let's see. What did I do? Oh, I discovered I discovered snow yesterday. I had the annual go up on the Grand Mesa and try and find snow with my father trip. You d- was, you discovered snow for the first dis- time ever? We did discovered snow on the Discovery Trail, which wasn't really a trail so much as it was a wall of snow, which was great. <laughs> See, here, like, it's been, like, 14 degrees every day, like, 14 degrees Celsius, obviously, so, th- like, like, talking 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. And yet this morning when we woke up, it had snowed. Yep. So I had snow on my front yard. Yeah, it snowed like, I think it was March 30th. Yeah, it's still snowing up here, but oh, yet it's warm enough. Like a it week ago, it snowed like a week ago. It was gone by the end of the day, which was great. But it stuck up on the mountain. So there's like, there's probably going to be snow on that mountain until sometime in June, I'm guessing. Which is yeah. good. Cause, I, you know, I have friends who live in Boston. Yeah. Do you know what happened to them? They got snow for like two days straight. Oh, jeez. This week, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been like that. Um, also, Set this, this week, Saturday. Yeah, no, let me introduce you. I'm let introducing introduce myself. You. No, okay, no, let me introduce you, please. I Fine. live to introduce you. Uh, he's editor in chief, and you just heard him talk, so I don't need to introduce him, but I'm doing it anyway because it's my job. Alex Zebart, go with your story. Hi. Uh, here on Saturday in Milwaukee, the day started out very cold. It snowed early in the morning. The sun came out, it hit 60 degrees, all the snow melted and evaporated. Beautiful spring day. By uh, 1 in the afternoon, it got dark, it snowed again, and by 4 o'clock, the sun came out, the snow melted and evaporated. So we had two or three seasons multiple times in one day. Yeah, I don't I don't like what we've done to the environment. <laughs> it's coincidence, Alex. While we were driving up on the mountain, we got stuck behind this person with a Wisconsin license plate who was driving very, very slow. I think they've uh, never seen mountains mountain? before. Yeah, we don't have those here. Yeah, I don't think well, they knew where I, they were going. Aren't you the land of lakes or is that Minnesota? That's Minnesota. Okay, I can never tell which one is what. Uh, I think one of Milwaukee's catchphrases is a great city on a great lake, like a singular lake. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're, you are right on the Great Lakes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Run, right on Lake Michigan. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so that's yeah. The weather's crazy, and we're having thunder, snow, and I just I don't know anymore. I just I do not even know. But uh, as is usually the case, now now we usually talk about top stories. Um, I'm assuming both Alex and Anne are going to chime in with others because I could only think of one, namely that the new Hearthstone expansion, uh, Whispers of the Old Gods, is going to be out by April 26th. Probably. I probably. And uh, the reason that I'm interested in this is because this is the first, this expansion is pretty seriously old god oriented, which I'm interested in, especially since it's the first time we're ever going to get a look at some of them, although they're not canon. So don't get too ex- attached to that picture of Nzoth that they finally gave us. Uh, every time I say Nzoth, I feel like I'm saying Mbop, 
Is it an extended N or is it just Nizoth? I thought it was Nizoth. I thought it was Nizoth because there's an apostrophe. I think there's multiple N's for it to be Nizoth. I heard heard Metzen say it once and he said Nizoth. Okay, you need to take that apostrophe out because that's a glottal stop. And once you see the apostrophe, you have to kind of try to make a clicking sound in your throat. Nobody even thinks about that. They just go, oh, you know what would be great in this word? Putting an apostrophe there. Have you looked at where they use apostrophes in World of Warcraft? Yeah, that's one of the reasons I can't pronounce a bloody thing. (laughs) I'm always trying to go like, you know, who um, was it? I I want to say it was Patrick Weeks. He was one of the, he's one of the writers for uh, Bioware for Dragon Age. Um, he posted on Twitter about this like last week or something. He said something about being guilty of going, oh, wow, you know, that looks really great on paper with all those apostrophes in it without actually thinking about how to, it would be pronounced. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, oh, that looks like a really pretty word. Yeah. Don't think in- about what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. When I was in college, I had a friend who actually was from Nairobi. Yeah. And he was the one who taught me, you know, that's a glottal stop. If you make that sound, like, a glottal stop is literally like a sound. Like, I can't do it, like, because English almost has none. Uh, but it's basically, like, if you see the N apostrophe Zoth like that, you're supposed to go Zoth. Like, you're supposed to try and throw that in there. And that's, you know, I, most people don't know that, like, most English speakers, because we don't have them. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, you see N Zoth. You go Zoth or whatever. So, yeah. But, but that's why I'm excited, because I want, like, if you've seen the card... In question, you see it's the, very the, pretty. It's pretty in a oh 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 oh. Yeah, oh, that's not good. I think it's the same artist that did the Yogg-Saron painting. Hmm. I Could don't be. know. The the style looks very similar. Uh, one of the things is that it definitely the the image in question makes him look very much like uh he. I think he's the origin of the faceless ones. He looks like it's, it. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like a really big faceless one. So. Yeah. And that's not good. Faceless ones are terrifying. But yeah, the whole thing was I'm I'm interested just for more old god stuff. I'm also kind of interested in like where are they going to go from here with Hearthstone? They've kind of like have they done a, they haven't done a Legion expansion yet, have they? Like a burn- they're pretty much doing whatever though. I mean, like they have the the League of Explorers adventure pack. And nobody really expected them to do that. They were just like, oh, it'll be like next Ramus. They'll do another World of Warcraft raid. I'm like, nope, we're doing League of Explorers. And it was just completely different. So what the Hearthstone team will do is what the Hearthstone team will do. Uh, they do wacky stuff. They do, which is pretty cool. Um, Sorry, any other top stories before we move on to emails? Yes, and, uh, hello on Sunday. We got the next Overwatch well, animated short. Before that, uh, the thing to remember with these Hearthstone expansions is the way they write them. And this is something I think Ben Brode said publicly. Hearthstone exists as a card game within World of Warcraft. So this old whispers of the old gods, you're supposed to look at it as if somebody within Azeroth made it. So that's why you get cards like Ragnaros the Light Lord. We have Ragnaros becoming a paladin. Like that's not Warcraft canon. It's something that somebody within Azeroth thought would be a cool. <laughs> They're card. like, haha, I'm gonna make that card. See, I'm They're thinking whoever whoever thinking? writes Hearthstone is in the League of Explorers then. Because I don't think most people in Azeroth know who Ragnaros is. <laughs> this card comes out and they're like, who is this big Bernie guy? He looks like a paladin to me. Finley, Whatever. Finley is the one that's done all of these. Yeah. He's the it's... secret author. He does it. Could be. Time. Anyway, and you were talking about the, the short? 
Yeah. Uh, the next Overwatch animated short came out on Sunday. Uh, it's called Alive, and it involved Widowmaker and Tracer and a lot of stuff that went down, and I'm wondering what you guys thought of it. I liked it way better than Recall. See, so much better than the Winston short. See, see here's the thing. I don't think I don't think that's a fair comparison uh, because the Recall short is almost – like you yourself pointed out that the Recall short exists to basically introduce people. Yep, and, uh, and I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think I, I completely agree with you that it's not a fair comparison, but I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> I like this better. See, the thing is, is I like Winston better. Like, I don't, I feel nothing for Widowmaker. She makes me feel nothing. I, as a character, she's a big nothing. Which is only appropriate, because appropriate. she in turn feels nothing. Yeah, <laughs> she just doesn't, I am not interested in Widowmaker. And quite frankly, I'm going to be the one to say this. I'm done with Tracer. Oh! She's overdone. I've seen too much of her. I've heard too much of her. I've heard too much about her, which is amazing for a character who hasn't had a short or anything yet. But people won't shut up about Tracer to the point where, like, I was like, you know, I'm really glad we had a short about the gorilla. At least now I know how the gorilla sounds when he talks. He's I mean, not a, he's not a gorilla. He's a scientist. Well, he's both. He can be, <laughs> he's a gorilla scientist. You can't take that away from him. That'd be like saying, you're not a human, you're a scientist. I, I'm I still a human. The impression that I got was that Recall, I guarantee you Recall was the first animated short that they worked on. Oh, it definitely feels So like they that. hadn't quite gotten the feel of what they wanted that story, what they wanted these stories to do just yet. And I think Alive is probably a little closer to what they're looking to do. But um, I'm interested, I'm really interested in seeing the rest of these and I seeing them see... continue to come out and you what want... else we get. I want to see more about Widowmaker interacting with people before I make a real judgment. I, so far, she hasn't done much for me, but... Right. I would love to see uh, something about her backstory, because her backstory is actually kind of tragic and interesting. Um, she was the wife of one of the original Overwatch agents, and she was kidnapped by Talon. They were like a terrorist group. One of the big terrorist groups that Overwatch was fighting over the course, like after the Omnic Crisis was over with. And um, they couldn't get rid of LaCroix, Gerard LaCroix. They couldn't get rid of him. They kept trying and they couldn't get rid of him. So to strike at him more directly, they kidnapped his wife. And and I think that's exactly why we're not going to see that background for much. Right. Well, they programmed her as a sleeper agent and Overwatch found her. And brought her back, and she seemed to be fine. She seemed to be absolutely fine. So they went back to life as normal. And then two weeks later, she killed her husband in her sleep and disappeared and went back to Talon. And Talon was like, all right, this worked great. And then they continued with what they were doing. And she's got the blue skin because they did some kind of genetic something or other that slowed down her processes enough that her skin turned cold and blue and she lost all sense of emotion and there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief involved here of course but um that I mean, whole it's, that it's whole background though, dark and cliche it's pretty dark part. it's pretty dark but at the same time what i want to know is was she an overwatch agent herself or was she like um oh like hawkeye's wife you know, living out in the middle of nowhere, kind of like a secret that, that Gerard kept? Or, or you know, what was that? What went on with that? Who was Honestly, she before this? The problem is, is that she's not actually a cliche because it worked. These plans never work in the, in, when you're in fiction. Yeah. That's actually the interesting thing is that it worked more than anything else that they successfully well, killed who they wanted. The whole, oh, let's go after no. 
the wife and so yeah, forth. It's, but that's, it's, a it's something because, that happens so often. Yeah, but it doesn't work. That The hero failed, he got killed. That's the only interesting bit to me. Well, not the only interesting bit. I'm kind of interested in if she's still working for them. Well, she's still working for Talon, yeah. yeah. Or if um, she's planning on murdering all of them or something. She's obviously still working for Talon because that's what she was doing in Alive. She was there in a Talon. Um, there was a Talon unit that was backing her up. And what's interesting about Alive, though, is what happened in it, okay? Because what people don't understand, first off, they don't understand how could a robot get assassinated? Like, would that really matter? It's a robot. Just rebuild it. The thing is, is that this particular robot, this was Takartha Mandata, and he was the leader of the Shambali. It was basically the group that Zenyatta belonged well, to. I think it's a ridiculous argument anyway. Shoot your hard drive in your computer right now. It's fine, right? well the biggest the biggest thing uh the whole point of the shambali movement of that group was that they had gone up into the himalayas and kind of like pondered the nature of their own existence and come to the conclusion that they had souls they were like they were beyond robots they were beyond androids they were beyond they were beyond just simple machines they had that spark took them from some kind of virtual intelligence, artificial intelligence, whatever you want to call it, to a creature that had, like, a soul. <laughs> so when they shot and killed this guy, he was the leader of that movement. And, yeah, it was that that was crazy. That whole moment was crazy. Ugh. And, yeah, I'm not sick of Tracer yet. So <laughs> I know. Most people, I'm, I'm not expecting anyone but me to be, but I'm just tired of her. I'm. I still want to see actual like story and shorts and comics with her, but her as like the constant mascot is already a bit tiring because they have such a big cast of characters, and I think they've they've it's picked a like, two. They've picked two to focus on, and they're not. Call me when Zarya shows up, and I'll be all there. So I'm actually covering Zarya this week for Know Your Lore when I Good. Overwatch this week. I'm going to cover uh, Zarya and. Russia's place in the original Omnic Crisis, and then the second Omnic Crisis that everybody is talking about, and what that is, and what the fallout from that could potentially be. So, we'll be talking about that and Volskaya Industries. The Alrighty. interesting thing about Tracer, excuse me, is people in the UK who really don't like Tracer's voice. Um, as an American guy who has never lived in the UK, I passing knowledge of this. When I watch British television, some of those accents are absurd, and I can't tell the difference. Well, there's a lot of different there are regional so many dialects in dialects. Yeah, yeah there's the so UK. many in the UK, yeah. and some of them sound pretty darn close to Tracer. <laughs> I did live in England, so I'm just gonna they let the English really, talk about it. Yeah, they don't really. She they, doesn't sound that close. She sounds. She <laughs> sounds okay. I will I will give Tracer this. She sounds more plausible than the Worgen female. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there. I hear something pretty close to that when I watch some British television too. The Worgen female is really not no. Okay. <laughs> and then you have like the the northern accent, which is just it's completely not different than everything accent. else. There's, there's... Dozens of Northern accents. Yeah. Oh my God! Can we? I'm gonna. I'm getting away from this because send your what? angry email to Alex Zebar. <laughs> hey. Okay. When I say the Northern accent, I'm referring to what I have heard people in England call the Northern accent. That's all. I don't know the names Ang- of these accents. Angry but when they call emails it the Northern to accent. Alex Zebart. Alex at Blizzard Watch. I didn't say it. Anyway, we're gonna move on to emails before Alex <laughs> gets us just attacked by the British. Um. 
This first one is... Yeah, because that went so well for them last time. They, the last time they attacked Blizzard Watch? I don't remember them doing that. Yes. Um, hey, folks. So, this is half question, half giving Alex an extra opportunity to rant. And, oh, wow. boy. Uh, <laughs> Is it just me, or did StarCraft II's story quite literally devolve into Warcraft uh, in space, in place of, you know, in places? I, I feel like we spent uh, so many years waiting to find out, you know, who Duran was and what happened to the Zelnaga. Uh, and when we finally got it, it the TLDR was Zelnaga were space titans. And Duran was just the 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 Archim, you know the Archimond is that Archimond yes it is Archimond. the Archimond to the uh, cartoonishly evil star, you know Star General Star Garos. Uh, it just feels like they were um, so much potential, and it all devolved into an empty mess of retreaded uh, Metzenian mythology and space magic. Uh, many thanks, Ark of Lightbearer Malagos U.S. Uh, so, Alex. Yes, I do feel that way. Um, I have no idea what happened, honestly. Uh, I had I, I wrote this a bit in my short review of the first episode of Nova Covert Ops, in that StarCraft II story was so off from what I remembered of the original StarCraft in Brood War that I wondered if I was just remembering the first games wrong. Uh, it's just completely different. There's, like, on the surface, there's, like, okay, yeah, the Zelnaga were in StarCraft, like, hints of the Zelnaga, but the whole, like, space magic, naked space angel whatever happened in StarCraft 2, like, I don't know what happened there, but Nova Covert Ops reminded me, no, StarCraft was actually a science fiction setting at one point and not space fantasy. Um, everything that happened in StarCraft 2, to me, was just terrible. Like I have, I don't really have any good things to say about it. It was pretty terrible. Um, Duran in particular, like Samir Duran, was the enigma of StarCraft in Brood War. Like, what's this guy up to? You know, he's doing all this genetic modification, and he's got some kind of evil plan or like some kind of political machinations going on in StarCraft. It's like, nope, he's a, a space demon doing space magic stuff, and instead of him being like this conniving dude. He's a um, you know mustache twirling bad guy who becomes a giant whatever he was in the final missions. Like I have no idea what happened in StarCraft Two, um, but Nova Covert Ops is more grounded and it feels like Brood War again, and that's the part of it I enjoyed. So basically, you're saying that Duran turned from Wesker into something else. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not really. My wife played a ton of StarCraft. I I didn't really. So all I really know about StarCraft is the Protoss are cool. That's it. That's what okay, I got so for you. With, okay, Samir Duran in, in StarCraft and in Brood War, he looked like just a guy, just a Terran guy. And he was had some evil plan. He was hatching in the background. And he was doing all the genetic modification. And then in StarCraft II, he basically turned into Kill Jaden in Sunwell Plateau, where he was a giant man crawling out of a toilet. Okay. Um, how we went from Brood War to Sunwell in the same franchise, I don't know, but it was pretty awful. Okay. Uh, I got nothing. Ann, you got anything? I got nothing. Okay. We'll move on to Sassy K's email. How here. are you going to um, include this one if neither of you two have anything to say about StarCraft? Because <laughs> I already you. went on and on and on about Overwatch, so I was just giving you a chance to speak. Alex, sometimes it's we want to let you talk. I, I don't want to rant at the air. 
It's a Period. podcast. We're here to have a discussion. <laughs> Hello, Sassy K here. I have a few questions about uh, your favorite choices in other Blizzard games. I'm gonna think we should do this like piece by piece. So here we go. First one. Okay. Diablo. What class is your favorite and why? I personally love the Witch Doctor, um, but it's also the you know only one I haven't really worked on. So do you guys favorite class? Diablo. Diablo th- in Diablo 3, it's the Demon Hunter by far. The aesthetic is awesome. How the abilities look are awesome. Uh, which makes me wonder why Vala looks so boring in Heroes of the Storm. <laughs> okay. Um, Anne? Uh, I started with a Demon Hunter, and I really, really liked the Demon Hunter. And then I decided to try out Monk. And I really like playing a monk, because it's just like a whirlwind of death and pain and things falling over, dying, and giving me delicious things to click on. So, you know. <laughs> for Diablo 3 um, I will surprise literally no one and say the Barbarian <laughs> uh, I actually what's funny too is I like playing both Barbarians like both male and female and I wish to God that they could both be in the game at the same time like because I, I am convinced of this I've built up headcanon and I'm living with it that the female Barbarian is the male Barbarian's daughter and I just imagine all this, like, you know, no, you can't cr- you can't crush them that way. I crush how I like, you know, so forth. I really both like both of them. I like their dialogue with the various companions. Uh, in Diablo 2, it's the Barbarian. Uh, again, not surprising anyone. In the original Diablo, which I have played as recently as this year, um, it's actually the, the I want to say, the thief. Um, it's more of an archer character, I think. And the problem I have is that, quite frankly, I played it this year. And I still confuse it with the with the Amazon. Like, it's I, that hard to keep it straight for me. See, I never played Diablo. I played Diablo 2, and I don't remember it well enough to tell you which class I played. For me, if it you, was If you II. listed off the classes, yeah, I'm, what were the classes in Diablo 2? There's the uh, Amazon, the Necromancer, the Paladin, the Barbarian, and then they had the Druid and the Assassin... I don't remember. I know I'm leaving one out, but I don't remember. Was it. there a wizard or no? I think the necromancer filled that role. The necromancer filled. I don't actually. This is my problem: is I don't remember. I know there's somebody I'm not remembering. I think I played the Amazon for a while, and then I want to say that I played the necromancer for a while too. Mm. But I think I probably stuck to the mm. Amazon. See, for me, it was barbarian all the way. It always has been. That's why I was so disappointed when they didn't just come out and say that the old, the male barbarian from Diablo Three is the barbarian from Diablo Two. Because, come on! I think that was the original plan, yeah, but they didn't they really didn't want to specify. It. Okay, the chat channel saying that there was a sorceress in Diablo okay. 2. Was there? I, I'm willing to accept this, but I don't remember it. If that's the case, then that's who I was playing. Because I do remember I enjoyed a class that had spellcasting. I only tried playing Diablo 2 once, and that was that as a necromancer. I don't really know anything about it. I just remember one of the things that made me like simultaneously sad and excited for Diablo 2 was that... All three of the original playable characters from Diablo appear in Diablo 2 as as demons. Like the warrior, you fight him as Diablo, obviously, but both the uh, the, the rogue and the wizard also appear as as monsters. Blood Raven is the original rogue, <laughs> and so it's it's one of those things that just like I like the idea that you know nobody got out of Diablo, nobody did. <laughs> that game just you know it just chewed everyone up and spit them out. But anyway, next question. Yeah, the, Star- well, this one's going to be mostly Alex. Go ahead. Do you want to say what you were going to say first? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I enjoyed the Demon Hunter mostly because 
depending on the spec you pick, it turns the, your screen into a laser light show. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much why I like the Demon Hunter, and that's why I was as disappointed with Vala and Heroes of the Storm, because she doesn't turn the screen into a laser light show. That's all. Okay, Starcraft, are you a diehard uh, for spe- for a specific race or a triple or double the you know threat? Is there a, a race you know you think needs more work uh, to feel more interesting? Uh, I not played Starcraft. Sorry, I like the Protoss, but I have not played the I game. I was gonna say I like the Protoss, and it's solely because it's like the Dronai in space. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I'll admit I, that. I um I don't play Starcraft multiplayer, which is where this is mostly relevant. In campaign, you just play what they give you. But as far as what feels good to me, um, because I'm fairly terrible at the gameplay i like the zerg because i can use all of the larva at the hatchery at one time if i screw up and i need units as opposed to oh i forgot to craft anything and i'm Terran and i have to make one or two marines at a time at each barracks uh zerg i just make everything at one time no problem easy that's all i know i don't play multiplayer i don't play competitive (laughs) i don't know what's good or what's bad in competitive Okay, next up is Heroes of the Storm. Are, is there any hero you feel is wrongly classified? For example, I think Taronda should not be support, but a ranged assassin. Um, I'm going to say I agree with you right there. Taronda should definitely be a ranged assassin. That's one of the things that I miss about Taronda from Warcraft 3, is everyone forgets that she rode around on a giant cat and shot arrows at people. Well, you know, uh, she, I mean, that's guess the she's a priest, but... I think that's really the argument here, is Taronda in Heroes of the Storm actually does really good damage. She has range damage and she has a healing spell and a healing ult but she also does a lot of physical damage like she fires owls and has a ranged stun and does good damage but the thing with heroes of the storm is not all of the heroes fit perfectly in the classifications there's well, like didn't warrior... we talk about didn't we talk about the the, the uh i can't remember her name sonia we talked about her how sonia you felt she felt more like an assassin yeah, and she's another one where she is categorized as a warrior and typically the warrior is like the low damage High health, beefy, slow, tanky, where Sonia is a little more fragile, but she does tons of damage. So she kind of lives in between warrior and assassin. And that's kind of where Taronda is, where she lives between support and assassin. And Heroes of the Storm has a lot of characters like that. And then you have like the specialist category, which is where they put anybody they don't know where else to put them. Uh, Heroes just doesn't stick by its categories tightly. And that's great. It makes more fun characters, but it kind of makes the categories more a suggestion than a rule. Yeah. Well, in Tyrande, I imagine that anybody that can cast any kind of a healing spell is automatically kind of thrown into that support area, aren't they? Pretty much. If you can cast a a heal or a shield on another person on your team, it's basically a support character. You're a support. Okay. Like, uh, Tassadar is considered support, but, I mean, when you watch, like, competitive play, yeah. if somebody is going with Tassadar as their only support character in a tournament, they're playing really risky, and they're very confident, because he's not, he can't really do it on his own, unless you have a game plan. Uh, typically, if people are running Tassadar, he's, like, half support, half, you know, utilities, range, damage, and then you have another support to prop him up. Right. It's it's all suggestions rather than rules. Okay. Well, th- you need less the email outs. Thank you all so much for this podcast and you know lore watch. You help me. You help get me through a, a boring work day. Sincerely, Sassy K. Well, thank you, Sassy K. Thanks. Yep. And the next email, I have to scroll down a little bit because it's very long. Uh, the next email doesn't. Oh, it's Monk. That's right. His name is Monk. 
quite frankly, Monk, the fact that your character's name is just Monk inspired me to roll a monk named Thelonious because <laughs> Thelonious is the best monk. Uh, greetings, watchers. I have a question about the Scourge. We are told that there uh, must always be a Lich King, and uh, and in order to you know keep the Scourge from running rampant and ravaging you know, Azeroth, I always found this odd um, that the Scourge you know is presumed to be a, the bigger threat without a leader than with a leader bent on our destruction like Arthas. While uh, reading through a thread on the forums, uh, the link was you know, uh, with the creative development team, uh, you know, posted answers to questions from players. I ran across this interesting quote. The ghosts of Uther and Terranus understood that the uh, scourge would run rampant without someone to keep them in check. Yes, that does mean that does also mean that Arthas and Ner'zhul uh, were not, you know, unlearning, unleashing the full force of the scourge during their respective reigns. You are, you know, you are welcome to speculate on the reasons for that. And there's a link there, but you know, don't need to leave that. Uh, what might the reason that Arthas and Nirzul chose, you know, to, to do this be? Uh, were they keeping part of the Scourge in reserve to use against the Burning Legion, or you know, were parts of the Scourge army perhaps, you know, occupied battling a servant of Yogg-Saron on the, you know, caverns beneath Northrend? Uh, curious what your thoughts on this matter. Best wishes, Monk. Yes, that is truly the name of my Monk in WoW. Though not my main character, I just wanted to brag about having a great name. So, uh, sorry for ending, you know, with an, an, an overlong parentheses. And you can hear my parentheses voice, so there you go. <laughs> uh, Torin female Monk, Spinebreaker EU. Why did they not use the full force of the of the Scourge? Well, I can give you one good reason why Nurzel didn't use the full force of the Scourge. He had no desire to help the Legion win. Yeah. He very deliberately was trying to get out from under uh, Kill Jaden's thumb. He had zero desire to do what the demons wanted. He wanted out. And helping them, he only did so as much as he had to in order to keep them from you know, yanking on his chain while they had it. He gave them exactly as much as they asked for and nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. As Wasn't for- there this whole like subplot thing where the Lich King intentionally lured heroes into his lair to blah, blah, blah. We're not getting, not getting there yet. The original Lich King, um, as we said, he, he deliberately wasn't helping the Legion because he didn't want to, to the point where he actually sent Arthas over to like hint to Illidan, you know, if you ate that skull full of demon magic, and by the way, I, I don't mind at all if you 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 know eat Goldon's skull a lot, because um, I don't like that guy. But if you eat that skull full of demon magic, you'll become very powerful. And I certainly would hate to see you give the Legion problems. Wink, wink, wink. You know, he wasn't, Nerzul was absolutely not at all interested in helping the Legion. He, and when he got rid of the Legion, finally, when he managed to, to balk them, he had the problem of then having to sustain himself. Because keep in mind, Nerzul didn't have a body. Nerzul's mental, like, you know. He was just essence, floating around in that helm. Yeah, which was stuck in a big, a big ice tomb. He didn't have the ability, like, as soon as they started, you know, they got rid of the Legion, he started having immediate problems with keeping himself sustained to the point where he lost control of a huge chunk of the Scourge that became the Forsaken. Like, he was falling apart. This wasn't helped by the fact that Illidan kept coming up with new and inventive ways to screw with him. Like, Which what? was pretty funny, because it was, you know, he... He basically made Illidan what Illidan was with the intent of having turning Illidan on the Burning Legion mm-hmm. to, to be another thorn in the Burning Legion side. But 
Illidan tried to do what the Legion was telling him to do. And of course that was mess with the Lich King. So in a way, Ner'zhul kind of orchestrated the whole splintering of the Scourge and the Forsaken inadvertently. And plus, I mean, you know, yet again, it shows that if you have Gul'dan's skull involved, you shouldn't have Gul'dan's skull involved. It, somehow Gul'dan is going to come up with a way to, to, even if he's dead and somebody else eats Here his skull. Here we go again. Pieces a, and or body parts of Gul'dan should also never be included in anything. But <laughs> as far as Arthas, uh, Arthas is what Alex is talking about when he said, you know, the whole lure heroes in thing. Arthas wasn't interested in a brute force conquest of Azeroth because... Arthas wanted to prove a couple of things. The first one he wanted to prove was that anybody would have done what he did. Arthas had a huge complex about showing that, you know, his fall was inevitable, that he wasn't just too weak, that anybody would have done it, that, that he every step he took made sense and that anyone would have made those same mistakes. And he wanted people around to be king of. He didn't want an army full of mindless undead to, to show off to because they're mindless. There's no point to it. Arthas wanted thinking, feeling Scourge. Now, here's what here's they the thing that always bothered me about this. Okay. Is within the same expansion and within media released during that expansion, World of Warcraft flip-flopped multiple times on whether Arthas is in there or not. Uh, the Arthas really novel the Arthas novel made a point saying that Arthas, as in mind, as an entity, has been eradicated. The end of that novel was the death of Arthas as an entity. And then we go through the quest line in Ice Crown, where you have like this alter ego Arthas, and it's like Arthas is gone, and they they kill his heart. Like there should be nothing left of Arthas. Yet everything after that is very much Arthas is still there. Well, on two occasions you've established he's not. In two different ways you've shown that he's not. But suddenly he is, and his motivations come from Arthas. Is he there or is he not there? I just I took that to assume he's not there as an independent being, but that he's still there. But okay, I get your point. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that he's trying to. He doesn't want to have just mindless zombies obeying his will. He wants beings that can actually go. Yes, he wants submission. And one of the reasons he wants to have your party, for, for lack of a better word, we we call it like a raid, your raid group. He wants your raid group to come up and fight him because his whole plan is to then, by having you go through all that stuff, you will have proved. A, that you know he was right to do what he did. More importantly, B, that's how you get the strongest possible people to take over the world, which at least I thought was cool. Like when when we got to the I point, I thought it was interesting. Well, when I got to the point of doing that fight and we died, like the whole regroup died, we we had managed to remain unspoiled, so we didn't know what was happening. We thought we wiped. Like several people released because this was back when you could release. Several people released, thinking, oh well. And then we're like, no, 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 don't, something's going on, there's an RP. And I liked, I'd look, that would never really, I'd never done a fight like that before. I'd never had that experience. Yeah. Um, Arthas was, uh, I don't know, now that Alex has said that, I, I'm kind of like, you know, there is that part where you go and get the heart, and there's Matthias Lenhair there, and so forth. That's all true. That's all in the game. And honestly... I don't know. Maybe you guys. What do you do? You guys think it's a case of them not having read the book, or the book wasn't done yet when they wrote the the quests, or what? What do you think? I, I think that. Well, partially, 
probably partially a little bit that because the thing is, is like the novels are created and written sort of independently of the game and while people who work on the novels are sort of aware of what's going on in the game you're never fully aware of what's going on and any changes you know that book once that book is completed and you send it to the publisher and they go, okay, everything's approved. We're going to go ahead and send this to print. You're no longer able to make changes to it. It's there. It's set in stone. The book? No, wait, hold on. I'm not done yet. It's there. It's set in stone. It's done. There's no changes you can make to that book. But, while that book is being printed and published and all that other stuff is going on, they're still able to make changes to the game, and they may make changes to that game that are completely contradict whatever was in that book you just wrote. So you can't really take the two of them. Y- you kind of do because it's canon, but at the same time, it's like, well, there's got to be some kind of rational explanation between both of these, and sometimes there's not an explanation. It's just, Except oops. What's the, the stuff with his heart in the game doesn't contradict the book. It's exactly in line with the book. It's only what happens in Ice Crown that contradicts the quest in Ice Crown the Zone and the book. It contradicts itself within the game. I think Like they said, Arthas when... is dead. Oh no wait, he's he's not Oh dead. see here's a problem though. I the people I... that said that Arthas is dead in the quest are not infallible people who know exactly what they're talking about. Heck, Tyrion doesn't know anything. Tyrion was the one who destroyed that heart, and Tyrion had, like, no place to Arthas? do it. The kid was, I like to think... It's Arthas Manifil spelled differently. Right, but I like to think that the kid was kind of the manifestation of Arthas's compassion and humanity. It wasn't, it wasn't Arthas himself, like, completely Arthas. It was, like that last spark of humanity that had him able to feel any kind of compassion or guilt over what he had done or anything like that. It was just, it was there. Then if he didn't feel anything, he wouldn't have felt any compulsion to prove himself to us by luring us into his grand trap. No, because you're arguing that compassion is the only thing you'd want, you'd feel proving that you're a superior doesn't, isn't a compassionate response. It's an arrogant response. But again, again, arrogance is also a feeling. I think that that, like I said, you know, when when you shatter Arthas's heart, it's not so much oh, this was the beating thing that was in Arthas's chest. It's more like this is the physical representation of Arthas's humanity. It it was it was what then made what him destroy his humanity because Tyrion was an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, Tyrion was something. like, Tyrion was like, oh well, here's this piece, here's this heart. You know what? This heart doesn't make any difference because there's no way to cleave it to Arthas or, or change what what the Lich King has become. So we're just going to destroy it. Let's just flat out destroy it. And he made that call and he shattered that heart. And the moment he shattered that heart was the moment that he guaranteed that the Lich King would never be anything, even remotely resembling Arthas, ever again. Somewhere, somewhere in that story, at some point, something is screwy. I'm willing to accept that. Um, for in point of fact, one of the interesting things, and it's a Legion spoiler, but there's something in one of the Death Knight artifacts that touches upon this in a way. And, and that's I all think, I'm going to say. I think, as far as Arthas's plans and taking us up to the Frozen Throne and letting us fight, that was a very analytical decision. That was a very 
I need the strongest people in my army. And what's the best way to get the strongest people? Make them fight their way to me. Once they prove and that they can fight their way to me, then I can just snuff them out in an instant. That- Once I do that, I have the strongest warriors on my side and I can turn around and overrun Azeroth. Not with mindless undead. If, they could, my- if he could already overrun Azeroth, he could have everyone. Jeez, just let her finish. She was talking. He wants to overrun the world. He doesn't want to overrun the world with a bunch of mindless undead because mindless. the problem with mindless things is they can break free and they can develop their own sense of what's right, what's wrong, or vengeance, sheer vengeance. He already had that proven to him by the emergence of the Forsaken. He already had that proven that they were capable of turning against him when they did that at the Wrathgate. They weren't just trying to kill the Alliance and the Horde. They were also trying to take out the Lich King himself because they had broken free. He doesn't want them to break free. So he needs to rule the Scourge with an iron fist. And the best way to do that is with Azeroth's best heroes fighting for him, not against him. It's a logic thing. It's totally a cold logic thing. But he also lost his Death Knights. He did lose his Death Knights. So whether and that was a Tyrion has, thing. <laughs> whether he has the mindless hordes or the greatest warriors, he lost both of them. See, I'd I'd be willing to argue that he probably does blame Tyrion for that. I as think opposed to them. Is, yeah, it, it, he blames Tyrion for it, and it's kind of his last gambit. I I also find it kind of interesting too that 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 whole sequence when everything is said and done, when it's all over with, and the Lich King is defeated, you see Arthas's spirit. What's left of it? And he says, blatantly, he says, I see only darkness. He doesn't go on to the afterlife. He doesn't go on to wherever humanity is supposed to go because he already extinguished that part of his person. There's there's nothing left for him now. He's just gone. And, and that's kind of sad. <laughs> I think that, that specifically, I think, is the bleakest part of of World of Warcraft, that there is an afterlife, but sometimes you don't get to go. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like I like the thought that, that Rossi had where he was like trying to prove in his own sort of sadistic way that the path that he had chosen was in fact the correct path. Well, you see that from the very first time you see him in, in World of Warcraft. I mean, yeah, it, it's, well, not the very first time you see him in, in the expansion, if you're Alliance. Yeah, and, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, he was fighting so hard to do the right thing that he in- inevitably, it was inevitable that he ended up becoming the wrong thing. And that whole fight that we have in Wrath of the Lich King is almost, in a way, him teaching us that lesson. Do I think it was deliberate? I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe he might have gotten that idea because of what happened to him. Because he was so strong and he was so, like indomitable he was he was like this you know example of heroism he was one of the best fighters that lord run had at that point in time but even then no matter how hard he fought he still fell and the harder he fought the harder he fell he fell so hard he ended up the leader of the scourge yeah and there's a definitely like like i said before you have that whole bit where you run into him uh in howling fjord yeah and he does that you know his little there's a little part where he does a little chuckle and he says, I was a shaman once. And that and was Nerzul. <laughs> that was Nerzul. That's why I keep thinking that it's not that Arthas died in, in Arthas, Dawn of the Lich King, so much as 
Arthas as an independent being died. He merged. He, yeah, like he there wasn't they, they there wasn't a near soul. something new. And the reason that I say this that I think that this is the case is because of that lich of that death knight artifact. There's a very specific moment where you see a certain thing that that I think works there and I can't I, that whole story, that whole story in Wrath, it still kind of gets to me. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, the expansion had its faults. Every expansion has its faults. Even Miss Fandaria that, had its faults, even though I loved it to pieces. You know, I still think I liked Arth- the story. I still think Arthas would have been fine, and none of this would have happened if Uther wasn't so spectacularly. <laughs> well, there's like. I honestly, going back to Wrath, and I know we move on, but you know, one well, of the things that gets me, we can keep talking about it. One actually. of the things that gets to me is that if you if you look at the story of Wrath of Lich King and you look at Arthas's involvement in it, um, the very first time you see him is that time in Borean Trandra. I mean, in Howling Fjord, unless you don't see it, but the very first time he really interact with him at all is atop um, Gundrak, yeah. not Gundrak, uh, Drakthorn Keep. Yeah. And when you're basically You've been helping a guy all the way through the dungeon, and it turns out you're helping the Scourge. Yeah. You know, and Arthas is like, you know, I will allow you to live for this amusing moment of betrayal. And that's then you see him again, uh, actually in the zones, uh, you know, the, the zone itself, um, when you're, uh, you basically betray the guy that betrayed you, uh, Drekturu. Is that his name? Drekuru. Drekuru, yeah. And, you, you know, af- after you do that, Arthas is like, yes aces i really like that you did really well and to me it feels like everything arthas every time you interact with arthas directly in the game people are always like he always runs away and you know i get your point yes he shows up but you don't fight him he just lets you live and but the whole point is that to him it's a it's a it's a teacher student relationship and it goes back to the original trailer do you remember the original trailer not the not even a trailer but the blizzcon thing where he's like young heroes i was once like you yes and that to me that thing should have been somewhere in the game because that thing right there, that's the whole thing. Arthas doesn't see this as he doesn't see his role as the Lich King to you know, just conquer the world with undead because if he wanted that, he would have done that. He would have just sent undead and waves and waves until everybody was dead. He, but he was looking for, he saw himself as the Lich King and how did he know how to be a King? Terranus. Terranus was the only example of kingdom he, kingship he had because None of the other kings were worth squat. Look at Gen Greymane. You want to be like him? Guy who goes and hides? No. You want to be like, um, you know, the Trollbanes? Who are, you know, Doris, Tro- Doris Trollbane was a loudmouth, arrogant jerk. You don't want to be like him. No, he's got Terranus. Terranus is this shining example of how to be a king, how to care about your people. And even though Arthas had completely fallen, he's still trying to be Terranus. He's just trying to be the only way he can. You he know, didn't create he, the Alliance of Lordaeron. He created the Alliance of Scourge. Yeah, and you even see it like in that bit where in the actual trailer for Wrath of Lich King where Terranus is talking to him. And it's like, it's all words that Terranus said, you know, when he'd be, he thought his son would grow up to be King of Lordaeron. And I know you will exercise restraint when using your great power. And he does. Everything you hear Terranus say to him is something that he does. Just twisted. Because he doesn't know how else to do it. And that's so he brings up when you come to, to, to Northrend, he sees you as, you know, he wants to use you to help conquer the world. But more importantly, you're his future subjects. You're his, for lack of a better word, you're his round table. You are the, the peers on which he's going to build his kingdom. 
of course he wants to he wants to educate you he wants to show you this is how to do it and that's one of the things i found fascinating about it but it's it really isn't conveyed well actually in the game like because he just it does feel an awful lot that he just shows up twirls his mustache and leaves because you don't get that sense of you know fellowship that he's trying to project onto you You he's trying to make you his friends for lack of a better word and that to me is the is the grimmest part of it all is with his heart gone with his you know soul ravaged by the evil that he has committed and the evil that he has allowed to you know occupy his life his kingdom is a kingdom of mindless corpses he's got nothing and he's still trying to prove somewhere in him is still trying to prove no it was all the right thing to do that to me is what fascinates me about the thing. I, I get what Alex is saying. I get his objections and there some of them I can't refute. Like there is a lot of contradictory back and forth on whether or not Arthas is still in there, but I always felt like he was. And fundamentally, Uther just had to suck less. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, my question is simply this. When you see Uther and he talks to Sylvanas and not Jaina, like what is that conversation? That is like, did they know each other at all? Like, I don't know. Weird. I always I felt like someone else could have been like, good job. Yeah, you like, did great. Ar- Arthas is like, Uther, plague is killing everybody. We have to do something. Uther's like, no, really. Arthas is like, okay, well, I don't have any better ideas, so I'll just kill the people that are plagued. Uther's like, no, don't. Okay, Uther, <laughs> what should we do instead? Nothing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Uther. Get with it. Make a decision. <laughs> if well, nobody else has any suggestions, I'm going to do the only thing I've got. Like, well, you live with that, Arthas. Like, what are you doing, Uther? Yeah, but to be Help fair, me though, out. As as we've learned when we ran that dungeon, Arthas is only solution to everything. The only way he can help you is with a clean death. And that's not always useful. When a guy needs my stuff, I don't want him to help me with a clean death. I want him to pick up the couch. <laughs> yeah. Well, if Uther just said, look, if you take one end and I take the other and we lift with our legs, it'll be okay. <laughs> But Uther's All Uther's just, like, just, Uther doesn't say that. Uther says, "Don't hit the couch." Don't hit it. Don't don't. How else do you it. move it, Uther? I don't know. Just don't hit it. You can't damage uh. it. We're not allowed to damage it or touch it because if we touch it, we might damage it, and we don't want to do that. Well, then how are we supposed to move it? I don't know, but we can't damage it. I honestly, I'll admit that I don't know why Uther didn't just say, "Look, they're going to. We can't kill them on the presumption that they're going to get plagued." As horrible as this is, if they come out with the plague, we can at least kill them because they are plagued. Why don't we, like, you know, have some kind of, like, internment? Like, close it it's off. It's an internment camp! Close <laughs> it off. Of orcs going, no, no. All of the orcs are like, yeah, that was a great idea. Um, I'm moving on to Sun Tiger's email because we have to, like, at least... I was going to say, do you want me to read that or you got it? I should be all right. Okay. This one is from Sun Tiger. That's going to be your last one, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also somewhat long, so. Greetings. I'm a bit confused by some things. As, as, as we've established, so are we, apparently. Uh, as far as I understand, lore-wise, the people of Stormwind had a statue built in honor of Varian when their king returned to them. In the same vein, the members of the Argent Crusade built statues of Tyrion to honor his leadership and actions in the campaign against Arthas. Nowhere lore-wise have I seen any indication that they commissioned the statues themselves. Yet every time I encounter this, you know, outside of the game, people say they were the ones that, you know, ordered the statues built. Is it a joke? Uh, or does do people really believe Varian and Tyrion ordered the statues built? Uh, the tone is often joking, but I, I've also seen, you know, numerous complaints slash arguments 
that it's another sign of their bad leadership that they they spend their time, you know, ordering statues built instead of doing, you know, something about a problem of the problems in their lands. Tyrion reads Sylvanas and the Forsaken's aggressive, camp, you know, expansion and cataclysm, and Varian read the bad situation of the uh, home of the homeless in Westfall. Have I missed something where it says that they're the you know ones that ordered the statues built? Uh, I think we can just answer that one first. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll just read this bit. Similarly, I've always understood the vision that you get of the Lich King's fall at the fount- at the fountain in T- Dalaran to be purely a meta thing for the players. Uh, lore-wise, there is no vision, and only Tyrion, Sylvanas, after Edge of Night, and the DKs uh, returning, you know, there in Legion actually knows uh, Bolvar is the new Lich King. Well, and the players that were actually there. Uh, take care and keep up the good work, Sun Tiger. Well, yes. It's true that the statue does not actually make everybody who walks up to it have a vision. That is, in fact, a joke that the people of who play World of Warcraft tell. That that part is a joke. Um, yeah. It's for the statues. I there's nothing that states they ordered them built their, themselves, but historically that tends to be what happens. Even if they didn't, let's assume for a moment that Tyrion never said build me a statue. He also never said, "What are you doing? Don't build a solid gold statue of me." Like, and don't put another one uh, in West Western Plague Lands. Don't put a third one in the Eastern Plague Lands. <laughs> he has statues all over the place now. There's there's a certain amount of expense and time. For one thing, you have to find a sculptor, I, and you usually you commission said sculptor to show you, give me a sketch or something. What's the statue going to look like? It's going to look like you know. At no point, if Tyrion is at no point able to say, guys, 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 enough statues. That implies that he's not really paying attention as a leader. You, you see what I'm saying? If they built three statues of him, at least around the third time, guys, what did I tell you about statues? Oh, maybe, just maybe we're going a little overboard with this whole statue thing. No, he never said that. Yeah. He just let them go on with their statues. I mean, and they set one up outside of his house, and he's like, cool. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> I walk outside of my home, and there's me. <laughs> you know, and to a certain degree, obviously, yes. To a degree, you can argue Tyrion deserved it because he you know, helped stop the Lich King, although really all he did was stand there while I did all the work, quite frankly. But I digress. Um, I may be a little bitter about heroic Lich King attempts. But anyway, uh, in terms of Varian and his statue, I, I honestly am a lot less irked by Varian's statue because uh, it's one of those things where they were redesigning the keep anyway. They're going to be building something. Like because the keep, I don't know if you noticed between you know Warcraft and you know, when, when Cataclysm came out, the keep changed. It got a lot bigger and a lot more grand. So yeah, okay, throw a statue in. And the statue of him in Boreal Tundra is very much part of the keep. Like I don't really feel like Varian necessarily had a lot to do with that one. For one thing, it's him in his gladiator outfit. That's just weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him commissioning that. Like, honestly, I, I can't imagine like. He'd be like, and make sure it's in my gladiator outfit because you know how much I love that. No, I just, it's just weird. But Tyrion, the fact that there is a solid gold statue of him in Dalaran has always kind of messed with my head. But yes, yeah, um, technically they didn't actually commission these statues. I mean, it, it's entirely possible they did. I mean, Roman emperors did this. Like, okay, make a statue of me. Uh, I want it in the city, the city square. Give me huge muscles. Yeah, but keep make mind- me look like a gladiator. <laughs> You know, you know that emperors actually did that as part of the votive offering, though. They 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 did that because they believed upon death they would be deified. Um, one assumes also Tyrion a lot of, a lot does of not propaganda. 
yeah, propaganda as well, yes, but it was the the votive offering is in fact part of propaganda. The belief that the Roman emperor would be deified is propaganda that they used basically like, okay, I get that you don't want you don't want to pray to me as you're the emperor, you want to pray to your gods that you already had, but I'm going to be one of them. So it's totally cool. So, to pray. so now you have kings yeah. in World of Warcraft having gladiator statues of themselves. I don't think at any point Varian is saying I'm no, going I, to be a god, but I don't think Varian would have commissioned the gladiator one potentially. Yeah. The one where he doesn't look like a gladiator. Oh, I'm, I'm... And given he's a king, I'll let him slide and he doesn't boast about it. Tyrion, I think I started joking about him and his statues because Tyrion often seems quite full of himself for somebody who's supposed to be a humble paladin. Yeah. Look, he came all that way from eating maggots in the woods. He's just <laughs> proud of himself. I just imagine, <laughs> I just imagine the Tyrion Fordring version has started from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> I just imagine <laughs> that, like, secretly at sometimes, that's why he's staying up there in. Um, oh my gosh. What's the name of the place he's in now? Hearthglen? Yeah, he's up in Hearthglen. The reason he he's all support. secluded up there is because that's where he can go ahead and, like, get access to maggots and can <laughs> Like, he eats them quietly in his own home. Because, honestly, he really developed a taste for them all those oh, years in the Eastern Lakeland. All I can say for Tyrion Fordering is that, you know, alas, you are victorious. That was it. I was done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if if I may go wildly off topic for a moment, I watch. Okay, keep in mind uh, that this is the end of the show, so that's fine. Um, I watch uh, Good Mythical Morning on YouTube. It's Rhett and Link. Uh, if you don't know of Rhett and Link, you probably do. You just don't know it if you've been on the internet for any length of time. They have this morning talk show, Good Mythical Morning, and they do food episodes where they eat weird foods and so forth. And I just recall in one episode they ate donuts with live mealworms on them, and that always reminds me of Tyrion Fordring. Because uh. it's be all over that chocolate donut with worms, amazing! <laughs> okay. This is fantastic. The maggots really add something here. Now that Anne said that, Anne. <laughs> Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/BlizzardWatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matthew Rossi. I'm your host. Uh, hope to, well, I won't be here next week, but please come back next week and, you know, we'll have a show for you. Uh, thank you very much and have a great week. Bye.